0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.
1: Sex toy sales are skyrocketing because people want orgasms now more than ever. And Adam and Eve is here to help you with an incredible deal to make all your sexual dreams come true. They are offering my listeners the deal of a lifetime. All you have to do is head over to adamandeve.com, pick out one item. It could be anything you desire. Not only do they have sex toys, but they also have movies, lingerie, games, and so much more. And they will give you 10 free gifts. Yes, they are literally giving away 10 sexy surprises to boost your sexual pleasure. All you have to do is type in your code HOLLY and you'll automatically get these 10 free gifts plus free shipping. That's holly at adamandeve.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is the show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind the scenes stories the funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today on the show, I have Chrissy Mayer. She is a podcaster and a sex comic which pretty much just means that she likes to talk a lot about the fun things in life, sex and dating and all the things that you and I, dear listener, care about. Um, her podcasts are the Chrissy Mayer podcast, as well as the Wet Spot. And um, she's just a lot of fun. We kind of run the gamut talking about all kinds of random things, how comedy and porn intersect. Somehow we get on this topic about aliens and like how we would deal with an alien encounter. So this is just a really fun episode that's a little bit off the wall, but just a blast to listen to. It was a blast to interview her. I think you guys really enjoy it. So let's welcome Chrissy Mayer to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, I have comedian Chrissy Mayer on today, and um, she looks really nice. If you're listening to the audio version, you can't see how nice she looks. But um, she. Oh, she looks, I'm wearing, yeah. Yeah, you, go ahead, explain, because <laughs> you do look like you know, kind of festive. I,
2: I thought this was going to be released in December, so I wore my most Christmassy sweater, and it's got these little... You know, like bedazzled things on them. But now that I look closer, a lot of them have popped off. Um, and I'm sweating and I have a ring light on me. So they I'll probably have like sweaty pits a good 30 minutes
1: into this. But yeah, it's good. I just tried to like look, you know, kept up. You look, you look very nice. I do not. I'm wearing, um, though, I, I don't want to rag on the shirt because actually one of my fans bought this for me. Big H bought Ooh. me this shirt. And it's super comfortable and I love it. And it's like a tie-dyed Led Zeppelin shirt. And Led Zeppelin's my favorite band of all time. But I used to like really try to dress up and look nice for my podcast. I actually did one of those clothing rental. Um, oh, Rent the Runway? Things? No, yeah. not Rent the Runway, but similar. It's one that they send you like every month or every three months. You can pick and then you keep what you want, you wear it and then you return it um, and they send you something else. And so it was really nice because I would always have something different to wear and it would be kind of like classy. And if you really like something you could, you could buy That's it. Nice.
2: I, yeah. I would, yeah, it was, I, would do awesome. that, I always have a pile. Well, I guess I have a similar <laughs> rent your outfit situation where it's just a pile in my closet and then I'll stick my arm under the bottom and pull something out. And I'll be like, Oh, this <laughs>
1: <laughs> forgot about this. I mean, at least in the times of quarantine, we don't need to worry about what we're wearing on our bottoms. But, um, yeah, it's just very, you know, being almost nine months pregnant, um, there's very few things that fit me. And so I've kind of like worn all of the nice clothes that I have that fit me. And, uh, so, and today I was tired. I'm starting to give up on life a little bit right now. Oh no. (laughs) So I'm just like, I was just just like, this is comfortable and it fits and, um, it's fine. Everyone will forgive me. You have you have a the
2: the most ultimate excuse of being pregnant. There's people not pregnant right now who can't fit into their sweatpants. <laughs> so that's how you like the to see the advertising change over the course of the lockdown. Like we're now on like month six of it, and it's like you you know the ads. All my ads are now just for sexy sweatpants and sexy like matching sweatpants sets. And I was like, that's- oh my god.
1: That's so true. I didn't think about that, but that's yeah. All you see is like stylish masks, yeah. fancy sweatpants, like UV, um, like cases that are supposed to disinfect everything. Which I think is I don't probably think it'll work. I don't no. think turning
2: a light, uh, like a like a you know a UV light over your stuff is gonna.
1: uh-uh.
2: And also it's come out like a while ago that the virus doesn't even survive on surfaces for, for all that long. So.
1: Yeah. You know. Every, every day we, it's something new. It does this, it doesn't do that. Like it's still so misunderstood. It's just, uh, I yeah. just stopped paying attention.
2: <laughs> That's really the way to go because I feel like a lot of that like misunderstanding and misinformation, I feel like a lot of it's on purpose just to throw yeah. people and keep us scared and you know, Just living small lives, it seems.
1: Yeah, and I think also, too, like, the media, because, I mean, that's what sells, right? Sex and fear are the two things that always sell. Um, And fear is is a big seller right now, and so the media will latch on to anything that will scare the bejesus out of you because that will get them clicks. Yeah, because you have to keep checking in
2: to make sure you still have to fear
1: for your life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My husband loves to send me, like, uh, horrible COVID-19 stories. Oh, he sent me one. He sent me one the other day because we were debating on whether or not like to have a baby shower, to have a Zoom baby shower, to have like a baby shower with like five people. Like we ended up not doing one at all. But uh he that says through this article co-workers throw surprise baby shower for a woman who then gets coronavirus and dies.
2: Oh no what happens to all the stuff <laughs> Does it go back to the whoever gets pregnant next among the friend group, or does everyone just take back their, you know, their bibs and you know. yeah?
1: Or I mean, it's depending on how far along she is. Like the baby could have survived, oh, and yeah. She died because that's because he sent me another article where a woman got coronavirus. She died, but they saved the baby.
2: Ah, oh, yeah. That seems. That seems more likely, you know, because yeah. it, it sort of goes for older people and people with pre existing stuff going on. It doesn't seem right. to be attacking much like the young folk.
1: Right. But I mean, of course, you're always going to get that article where like 25 years old, no pre existing conditions. Yeah. The one person. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So who it's knows? Scary. It's a scary, it is world. scary. It's scary. And it's also, um, I don't know, like my sister's coming over tonight and she was just on vacation Um, and she's, she's a nurse. So she's very, very, she has COVID patients. So she's very serious about the disease and, and she does, you know, she's very careful. And so she didn't want to come over tonight unless she uh, got tested and her results came back positive. (gasps) What? I mean, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, wow. I said that totally wrong. (laughs) Negative. Yes. Sorry. She, which, which they did, but she positive ex- that she didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Wow. So yeah, so she does not have it. Um, but when she texted me earlier, she was saying, you know, we're still waiting on our tests. They're not back yet. And if they're not back, then like maybe we should just have, because we were all supposed to have dinner together, like me and my siblings. She's so, like maybe I could just check in via Zoom. And I'm like, that's so fucking dumb. And I just got really annoyed. I'm like, well, I don't really care. Like just come over. It's fine. Like I'm sure you're fine. And she gave me this big lecture about how I'm, um, you know, uh, immune compromised because I'm pregnant, which is true. And she was 100% right with everything. Like it's not worth the risk and all that stuff. But there was this huge part of me that was just like, fuck it. I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. You wanna you know see. What you mean? Me. Like I want to, I want to see you. And I'm, and I, and I had this little hissy fit for like half an hour where I was like, I'm tired of this stuff stupid coronavirus and this is ruining my life and I can't do anything and I can't see anybody and this is so dumb and like just fuck it but like you can't really do that because life doesn't like you don't get to just be like okay you know fuck this shit because I'm sick of it it's just I don't know it's just one of those And when it's not in your own backyard and you don't really know people that have it and you don't see Mm. people dying from it around you, it's hard. I don't know. I think it's hard to like accept the fact that it's like a real thing, but I just try to remind myself that I don't know shit. And, you know, there's a lot of other people out there who know far more than I do that are saying, you know, these are the protocols we should follow and I should just do it. and Yeah.
2: And I think it would be a different story if you weren't pregnant. Like it's, but since you're pregnant, you're like, you want to be able to say you did everything you could while you could.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I do throw hissy fits about other stuff that I can't do when I'm pregnant. Like I can't have sushi and Um, like, I can't, you know, like have unpasteurized cheese and I get pissy about that, but that's just me being a brat. So. What is
2: is unpasteurized cheese? Is that just brie. I
1: thought all cheese was pasteurized. Um, it's like it's like soft cheeses, I guess. Okay, like the spreadables. Yeah, so brie, which is fine. I don't like brie, but like goat cheese, I think is one of them. Oh, okay, I don't know. Anyways, Feta, maybe. Yeah. So this is super fascinating. I'm sure people are really excited. <laughs> welcome to, to cheese. Tunes in to listen to me talk about. Uh, the kind of Sorry. cheeses that I can have. So maybe we should talk about you because I don't know. You're my guest and uh, you came on to talk about you and not about my <laughs> and my little hissy fits about face Aww. about the coronavirus. Um, so, Chrissy, you are. So we we kind of talked about this earlier before we started. Are you what one would consider a sex comic and what exactly does that mean?
2: You know, I don't. Yeah, some people would say yes. Some people would say No. Um, I think it depends on your on your reference and like how many other comedians, you know, like if you're someone who doesn't follow a lot, there's people who compare me to Amy Schumer and I feel like we're stylistically pretty different, but it all depends. Like, so do I talk about sex, joke about sex, absolutely. Do I talk about it and joke about it on my shows and podcasts? Absolutely. It's uh, I in my stand up I primarily make fun of the men I've dated, the sexual situations I've been in, sort of like cultural standards on women versus men and uh, like very self-deprecating, maybe my own family. I don't really delve into politics very much. Like I have a Melania impression, but that's like about it. It's more about how she's sort of like a delightful house cat. You know, it's not even like getting into her like personality or shitting on her, you know,
1: who she's married to. Could, could you do the Melania impersonation? Or? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call
2: me the first lady because I'm actually his third lady. You know, I am his third wife. So if you want to get first lady, you should go get first wife for that because I am just like decorative pillow. <laughs> really, it's just my Russian. I mean, it's also the same accent I use for my waxer. You know, it's kind of just multi Multi functional <laughs> standard issue Russian lady accent. <laughs> but
1: it, work- it works. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I kind of feel bad for that lady. Like, she did not sign up for the shit that she's going through right now.
2: No, she really- wanted a rich husband. Yeah, so yeah. She wanted- like, like we all do. We all want to sit yeah. on a gold toilet and never work again. You know? I know. Can you imagine? That's the American dream. And, uh, people give her shit. They call her stupid. I'm like, she knows five languages. Like, she's doing pretty good for herself. You know, she was a model, right? Yeah. Like, she never, she never planned to be the first lady or president's wife or involved in politics and, and just like on a whim, it seems like. Donald ran and now she's in this whole life and she's like, Oh no, I have to get more conservative tops. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also feel like to be fair, I also kind of feel like Donald didn't expect to win either. No, I don't know. He did.
2: I don't think anyone was prepared for this. You listen to the news. There's like news compilations of, of everybody leading up to the election, even on election night. Every, every like major mainstream media, you know, news channels going, Oh, he's never going to win. Never going to win. And then slowly over time, they're going, Oh, God. They're like holding onto the table. They're like, Oh, God. This is, he lost Pennsylvania. It's really happening, you know. And then i really realize, did. oh, like they weren't polling any of the right people. And all of our media is owned by so few companies. Like it's hard for them to get a real scope of things. So, but yeah, and people were not
1: expecting that. Mm-mm. No, I remember that night very well. God, <laughs> what a night. Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Back, back to you. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, I got derailed by your Melania impression. It was so, <laughs> so epic. <laughs> um so so yeah so you do a lot of jokes about sex and you and you have two podcasts right
2: yes yeah um there's the wet spot which i almost didn't even call it that because i thought it would be like i don't know to turn people off or whatever and uh, my boyfriend's like no you have to keep it you have to do it and the wet spot is uh like a sex dating relationship panel advice show on compound media uh which was started by anthony cumia he's the anthony from Opie and anthony and i've been on uh that network for about a year and i was very inspired by early howard stern because you know i'll have a lot of uh the, my my guest panel is always like comedians porn stars Sex therapist, anybody who's going to know more than I do in their field, uh, is somebody I want on. And we've had like dominatrix come in studio, bring their submissives. We've wrapped a guy in Saran wrapped and took turns stepping on his balls. Like oh, we all the, you know, that was the fluffy guy, right? Fluffy, yeah. And uh, it's it's Which, always by the, most the way. Fun. It used to
1: be my nickname. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Wow! Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's always the most fun when the show is more interactive. Just yesterday we had uh, like an in-studio dating game and we had like our three bachelorettes and we had to keep them secret from the bachelor. We had like a crazy blindfold on him and that was so much fun. So that's, what's really great about like having the studio. You can utilize it to have like fun and interesting guests come in and it's like a, you know, free speech network. You can say whatever you want. You can like flash your tits. It's like whatever you're inspired to do, we support and, you know, who doesn't like to see boobs? So, uh, that's that's always good. And then I have my one-on-one interview podcast, which is called the Chrissy Mayer podcast. And, um, you know, I've interviewed like, you know, more like just porn stars, comedians, some political personalities, but really, you know, some conspiracy people too. And we'll kind of just talk about like, whatever's interesting, whatever's going on. And that, those shows are on like YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. So that's the one that's fully public. And then the wet spot is like subscriber network of
1: compound media. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Because I mean, my podcast is obviously about sex and about the adult industry, but because it's on YouTube, we cannot flash boobs on my podcast. (laughs) And it is sad. Yeah. because If there was anywhere where you should be able to flash boobs, it'd be on my show, but nope. That's so sad. I'm okay with that. I
2: forget who it was, um, but I had a girl, God, and I actually have like a third show. Now it really seems like I'm bragging, but it's called Never Have I Ever, and there's nine of us, you know, up to nine of us. And then it's like, Never Have I Ever uh, had a threesome. And if you've done it, you take a drink. And then we go around telling Mm -hmm. those stories. And that one is also on YouTube. And I forget her name escapes me, but um, she's dating like a, it was Christy Fox. Oh, okay. So oh she my was my there's somebody else in about, the room. <laughs> she's talking, It's just like, boyfriend slash engineer. He's playing video game games. Um, <laughs> like but he also, when I like space out, he'll usually have the answer. But, um, so Christy Fox was on and she is, she's dating like kind of a well-known male porn star. And, um, she just ended up just like showing a naked photo of him on her phone. And I was like, Oh no, we're going to get flagged on YouTube. But it's been like, okay, so far, maybe it's like the degrees of separation. I don't know. It's been, a, it was a quick flash. And we are like, Oh my God, he's so big.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. YouTube's hard to figure out. Like if I post a thumbnail where a girl's fully clothed, but like she's wearing a thong, they'll delete it. And, um, I randomly had them take one of my episodes and like put it behind an over 18 wall, which they haven't done with any of my episodes. Um, Wow. And it wasn't a particularly explicit one either. So I don't know why Hmm. I think it must depend on just like who reports you. I don't know. I feel like I spent my life trying to figure out why YouTube does the things that it does. It seems
2: weirdly arbitrary. Like I'll get limited monetization on on stuff that doesn't deserve it. Like I did an interview with like stuttering John and we like, didn't talk about anything crazy. Um, like we argued at one point because by accident I said like, Oh, you dabbled in standup. And he got so pissed. He's like, dabbled, dabbled. I'm a serious headlining comic. And I was like, I didn't know. I just thought you're, you know, just
1: coasting off some shit you did 20 years ago. I don't know. Um, like, I'm so sorry, but you're just not funny. So uh, I didn't realize that you actually, that's the thing with stand-ups. I think- like
2: we all, are in each other's circles. So it's like, if you're not, if I don't see you performing at the places that I perform at, like not that I'm the, the biggest, hottest thing. I'm like a kind of like mid range, you know, but it's like, if I don't see you at any of the venues that I'm at, then like, you're probably not working very much. Um, mm. so I don't know. But you know, some people have gentle, gentle egos. So um, but it, yeah, it's, it's weird. The stuff that YouTube will declare, you know, limited monetization or no monetization just because, yeah, you know,
1: I get that for most of my videos, surprisingly, <laughs> I mean, not surprisingly. So it's, but I mean, it's whatever. I'm just so glad it took me so long to get my YouTube channel monetized period that like, I'm just grateful for anything. And it's funny too. Cause you know, you'll get, I'll have some videos that have like hundreds of thousands of views and I made like 81 cents oh god that sucks
2: so bad <laughs> like- yeah i feel that it took me so long to get my first thousand subscribers on youtube and now i'm like i'm almost at five hopefully by the time this comes out it'll be more than that um but it's it's weird you know if you're it it should go kind of exponentially like it takes a long time for the first thousand then it should kind of peak up a little yeah bit.
1: What happened for me was mine was like kind of cruising along pretty flat. And then in December of last year, one of my videos just kind of went viral sort of on Ooh. YouTube and it spiked. And ever since then, it's actually like it's I'm, I'm almost at 85,000 right now. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. Cra- it's crazy if you look at the. It's just like do do do, and then it that? goes like this. Yeah, because yeah. YouTube, because then YouTube starts like recommending your videos. There's a whole like algorithm thing behind it. I actually signed with a multi-channel network. to trying to like teach me about how it works, and it's Ooh. so confusing. But yeah, there's a whole like system that it's like machine learning. It's really weird. How many
2: views is it considered to be viral? I've heard different numbers.
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's why I did the air quotes because like yeah. va- it wasn't like millions of views. It was like 500,000, but oh, compared 500. to all the rest of mine, it was Yeah. so, and that's what made my channel shoot up. Wow. But, uh, yeah, thanks. It was about, it was about working in a brothel.
2: Hey, it's, yeah. It's never the thing you think it that's going to blow Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it had been on for a, it had been up there for a long time, like just cruising, not really. And then it hit some algorithm and then it shot up and it had been on my channel for months. Wow. So it's just, it's, I just can't figure it out. It's random. Yeah. Super random. Um, so, so you've interviewed a lot of porn stars. Um, and I know you're a sex positive person. Can you tell me some of your favorite interviews that you've done and, and why?
2: oh god i really i really loved interviewing karma rx because she just like doesn't give a fuck it's, she it's does like not give a fuck she does not give a fuck and she has like which is great because um she was actually like the very first um person i interviewed when i got to ABN in january and started doing a bunch of interviews there and it was it, it was crazy as you know because the, the schedules are so nuts people are like Sometimes they don't have time and they have to bail or, they, you know, they get the AVN flu and they, you know, they can't come. And sometimes, you know, girls only have 15 minutes. Sometimes they have more than that. Um, but Karma was actually like the first little interview I had there. And I was just really like impressed with her story. I was like, holy shit. She used to be homeless. She was like, on, you know, on drugs. And then she's now she's like doing so great. And like, I'm always so inspired by stories like that. Like people mm-hmm. who can, like pull themselves up and, and you know, start anew. And, you know, she like makes her own soap and I'm like, wow, she has this true, like entrepreneurial spirit. And I liked that episode with her a lot because we, you know, it, I had talked a lot of, about a lot of fun, like conspiracy theories with her. And she kind of follows like the QAnon stuff. And I, kind of conspiracy theories. Too, and, and I get very fired up and pissed and upset about like, you know, child and sex trafficking and all that stuff, too. And. And, uh, and then you start to notice like the other people that are into it too. And then I was, um, then I see like, Oh, Jenna Jameson's liking my stuff. Holy shit. You know? And I'm like, please do my podcast. She's like, I'm not doing podcasts. And I was like, all right, I tried. Um, and then some of my other friends that were really great to interview Jaden Cole. Um, I sort of, she did my show wet spot, but then I hung out with her at AVN. And now we're like, we became really good friends. Um, Randy James has been on a couple of my shows. Um, Nicole Aniston was was really fun. She talked a lot about why she turned vegetarian and um, just about like her like
1: health fitness regimen. Did she tell um, you about it? Did she t- I love Nicole, by the way. She's one of my favorite girls. Um, I love all these girls that you've mentioned. I've had them all on my show and they're great. Karma and I do not agree in a lot of the same politics, but w- we are, I think, mature enough to like recognize that we don't agree on stuff, but we still like love each other. I love her. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that she says, but like, I fucking adore her. I don't have to hate her because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I love people that are honest and then like own who they are. And like, everybody's got a difference of opinion. Doesn't mean we have to yeah. fucking hate each other.
2: I, I agree. And like, and then this thing, you're never going to agree with somebody on, on everything. And it takes like a true adult to be like, okay, like we know what topics to like, that we differ on, we're going to avoid, but let's focus on like what we share yeah. and what we love and, you know, keep it positive, stay respectful and all that. Um, yeah. I was
1: going to ask you if you talked to Nicole about aliens.
2: Oh my God. Did we? No, uh, we didn't get to that. But I remember that was like one of the topics that we were like, Oh yeah, if we'll have time, we'll touch on it. And yeah, it's crazy Jesus. because, these uh, just got opinions about aliens. Really, she's she's, she's yeah. pro. She's pro alien. She's pro <laughs> alien. Good, good because they're coming. <laughs> Did you see <laughs> that footage that they saw in New Jersey? Like it was basically like it looked like no. a battleship-sized UFO. This was yesterday in Jersey. This footage is all over YouTube. I have never seen. I mean, maybe I've seen blinking lights here and there, but this was like there's videos of people who pulled over the side of the road. And then everybody else has their phones out, um, like just big and like a dark ship. And it arrived at like sundown and it has like a blue, like moving across in a strip kind of like
1: blue to yellow light. Like this is yesterday. This was yesterday. Wait, hold on. I, I think I need to look. This up. And it's wild. New Jersey, New Jersey. Yeah. Just look up. New um, UFO sighting. UFO. I love how the first thing that came up is New Jersey coronavirus. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, cause when I had her on, um, it says viral videos. Well, the first thing that came up is viral videos of a UFO captured a Goodyear blimp. What? People
2: were saying it's a blimp. I don't, I don't know if it was a blimp. It didn't look like a
1: blimp. I feel like they're, I'm they're I'm literally <laughs> reading the titles, <laughs> Get on. but I mean, who knows, you know, I mean. Who controls the media, right? Yeah, so I want you
2: to think it's a blimp, so you don't uh, panic. Or,
1: but also, too, didn't the Pentagon like release these videos of unex literally UFOs, unexplained flying objects, like vehicles not made on this Earth, like a couple of months ago, and like no one cared. It
2: should have been such a bigger deal.
1: But people, I know. Like,
2: ah, toilet paper, you know.
1: <laughs> I know. I was tripping on that whole thing. I was like I guess, yeah. I see one screen cap of it. Yeah, and it totally does look like a flying saucer, but I guess it's like at night, so There
2: are good actual videos of this sighting. It really does not look like a blimp
1: to me. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to I <sighs> will have to spend some time afterwards uh looking Bring more out. deeply into it. But uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: aliens have been very much a thing. I think every president since Eisenhower has known about aliens. Apparently they've visited, there's many, many different species. They have visited this planet many different times. There's Roswell. It's like we have like crashed UFO aircraft and, and like people have been working to reverse engineer the the tech mm-hmm. and perhaps they already have. So um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Sure. The world
1: is full of many mysteries that um, we may we may never come to know. I definitely, uh, I mean, I, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist person. I honestly, I just think I kind of don't have the energy to like pay yeah, a lot, lot of attention lot of to it. It's a lot yeah.
2: of nights nice up, uh, you know, in the far corners of the internet, a lot of clicking on, you know, a lot of DMS a lot. And then once you get into the conspiracy world, people send you stuff nonstop. And I'm like, Oh, I guess, you know, this is my job now. And then, you know, people have been call- calling me like I'm a pedophile hunter now. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just, we should all work towards this thing. But I guess it's, it, it, it does take over a lot of your time. Cause you're like, once you're a person who's like, I have to find out the truth. It's like, you have to like, keep, keep looking. Cause you're not, your mind is never like fully, made up truly you're just like huh good to be curious um it's good to not like just take everything at face value whether that's coming from your crazy conspiracy friend or your you know seemingly real mainstream media yeah <laughs> what, I, what what I, my biggest fear around the alien thing i think about this all the time is like when i'm in like a, a bad spot or a conflict i always think my way out is like charm or seduction or my my personality you know what i mean like my wits and I'm just, I, I fear that that may not work on the aliens because they're going to be above it. You know, they may your feminine be wild animals. won't
1: charm the aliens.
2: I'm, I'm worried that I won't be able to, you know, if there's a conflict and they're not going to find me funny or charming and they may or may not have genitals. So it's like, well, I can't do anything <laughs> that, that way. You know, usually that's a good way to <laughs> settle, you know, a conflict. You've, you've lost all your bargaining power.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I have to admit I've never thought so far ahead as to like how I would deal with an alien. But uh, I guess I just don't think that far ahead. So you might be better prepared than I, because I mean I feel like these days who knows what the fuck's gonna happen. Twenty twenty has been a fucking crazy year, and every month it's something else. So if the next thing that happens at aliens land, I think I feel like at this point no one's gonna be surprised
2: yeah and it's like but I wish there was a way for people that are like you know do do the aliens know who's kind of pro aliens like I've supported you for years I've known about you for so long did you get all my letters like it's the notebook I don't know or they just (laughs) could be against all people and I just want I want them to know maybe there's something I can wear or something I can put in my apartment to be like oh like for Santa I'd be like we believe in you
1: (laughs) Don't Well, don't the problem is if, the, if there are multiple species of aliens and who's to know, like what alien party you support, because maybe unlike our government, they're not a two party system mm-hmm. <laughs> and there could be many different kinds of, and they don't like each other. And so you got to choose what alien side you're going to, you're going to be on.
2: Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Do the aliens have libertarians? We don't know. Do they have a green party? I don't know. But the aliens started to become more interested in us after Pearl Harbor because they were like, whoa, you guys are setting off nuclear bombs. You know, like that's going to fuck with this planet and others potentially. So that's when they started. There were more and more sightings after that. So, oh really? I didn't know I think that. They're just very concerned about us like fucking up space and planets. Um I yeah. like how
1: like the aliens might be more environmentally responsible than we are. <laughs> sure. they're like sure. you guys are like ruining one of the few like biologically friendly planets in this universe. Yeah. And so like maybe we need to just come and Take over and stop you guys from basically making yourselves extinct, and
2: yeah, which is ruined. why I think they're gonna they're gonna like Nicole. They're gonna like <laughs> Nicole because she's a vegan. She's got like a vegetarian restaurant. Um, she's very like you know crunchy, environment friendly. She's hot, you know. She has she's full like, of
1: just full of love for everybody. Yes, and she is yes. actually like truly like a wonderful soul through and through like she's a really good person i can't think of anyone who doesn't like nicole she's like she one of the really people is. everyone likes her you know even like so if she'll
2: send me a tweet and i'll be like oh it's like a hug you know like, great
1: <laughs> i know she like opens up on twitter every morning she's like good morning you are beautiful you are worthy and i love you and my <laughs> opening tweet is like my fucking back hurts this sucks i'm in a yeah, shitty baby me. <laughs> get this baby out of me get baby out of me Oh my God. All right. Uh, And on that, uh, we should go to a commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some more ways that comedy and porn intersect. So hang on. We'll be right back. This episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. I can honestly say that my sponsor, Care of, is one of my favorite subscription services to date. And now that I've had my child, keeping up with my health is a huge priority. Care of makes taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable. I love how easy the online quiz is to take. It's simple and helps you find the right vitamins to help support your health goals and needs. The cute individual packets are eco-friendly, and we all know that environmentally friendly, conscientious companies are the way of the future. The packets are also incredibly convenient. You can throw these into your gym bag or your purse and you're on your way. Another thing that I love about their shipment plan is that they always alert you when they're sending you a new box. So if you've fallen behind, you can easily delay your shipment for a few weeks in the future. Care of really changed my life for the better. It's never too late to take charge of your health care of is here to help you do that. And luckily for my listeners, you get 50% off of your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter code Holly 50. That's 50% off of your first care of order. All you have to do is go to take care of.com and enter code Holly 50. Take care of your health with care of vitamins.
0: Hey, I'm Molly Stewart, twisties treat of the year. And you're listening to Holly Randall unfiltered sponsored by twisties twisties is a leading glamour porn site for exclusively lesbian and girl girl content since starting my journey with twisties i have shot some incredible scenes with some of the best girls making some truly amazing fantasies come to life for 18 years they have featured the biggest names in the industry recently rebranding to exclusively female content twisties stays focused on raising the bar of what modern porn looks like while highlighting the up-and-coming talent of our generation Their Treats of the Month and now Treat of the Year give viewers a taste of what their favorite girls are like under the wrapper. My journey since being their Treat of the Month in January of 2018 has been incredible, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for the future. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com and find them on Twitter at Twisties and Instagram at Twisties Treats. This episode
1: of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by... Manscaped. We all know 2020 is a little nuts, but that doesn't mean that you should disregard your nuts no matter what size or shape they are. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. They also just released the Crop Care Kit, which is a formulation bundle to give you A plus balls and is the ultimate male hygiene hack. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, Crop Cleanser Body Wash, Crop Mop Ball Wipes, and the foot duster foot deodorant. Of course, this all goes along with the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body, the Lawn Mower 3.0, which offers replaceable ceramic blades with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which means you can attend to your nuts in the shower. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, So you know that your manhood is in good hands. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code Holly. If you care about those beautiful balls of yours, all you have to do is go to their site, hit a few buttons on your phone and it will change your life for the better. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code Holly. All right. So we're back. So one of the things that you mentioned before we started uh, the interview officially was that when you were at AVN, you were interviewing people like kind of in the red carpet line and this is how oh, I remember. Cause I was in that line, not last year cause I refused to go to the awards, but the year before and it goes out into the parking lot mm-hmm. and there's just so many people trying to walk the red carpet and AVN's trying to like figure it out by giving people different, like color coded tickets. So you go at a different time, but it's still just a fucking huge mess And everyone's outside in the parking lot and it's freezing and they're wearing almost nothing. And there's always those protesters that are right on the street saying like porn is evil. And I believe that you spoke to some of them.
2: Yeah. I was like, I have to talk to these people. Like what, what is their rationale here? Like how, how could you be against something that it like brings people joy, happiness and like, it's like, I just couldn't understand it. I was like, you can watch it with your partner. Like if you're single, that can be your thing. And your outlet, if you're with a partner, you can share that with them. So I was like, let me go talk to these freaks. Like what's going on. Are they religious? Like what's their bent? And I, I remember there was like four people. Uh, one of them was a woman, the rest were guys. And I would talk to each of them like, Hey, and the, I think the main reason I went over, cause one was like yelling through a megaphone. I was like, If I can distract this guy, it's like the longer I talk to him, the less he's yelling screaming into this megaphone, like telling everybody that they're going to burn in hell. And I was like, oh, let's I was like, oh, I'm I'm from a news source. Like I just made myself sound official. I was like, oh, it's it's from compound media. It's a big deal. Um, Like, why are you guys out here? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, these all all these people are going to like burn in hell and snakes are going to going to their crotches like the, this guy was going like he was very descriptive and like very weird and i was like wow and the, i was like why are you guys you know so why are you protesting and it eventually came out like uh, most of them i would say actually all of them ended up um kind of confessing that they had one point and been not only watchers of porn but like obsessed and like overly overly into porn and then they arrived at this place of like doing a 180 of oh now we need to like protest and picket it. And and I even like, I caught them all, you know, because I went and spoke to each one and I was like, oh, you used to be really into porn? Like, what kind of porn would you watch? And then, like, they would each describe, like, the different genres that they really liked. And then they would catch themselves, like, oh, oh but, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I never really watched any. And it's like, mm, I got you.
1: It's like, you. Was there, like, a common thread? Did people, like, like to, did people, was there a certain kind of porn that most of them watched? Um, Yeah. A couple of them
2: said POV. Um, like one said like stepbrother and sister. One really liked like S&M fetishy stuff. Um, so they didn't, they weren't all into the same genre, but they all had in common that they were used to be really into porn. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's interesting. You know, um, It's almost like they're like, they protest too much. Kind of, it's like, well, why don't you? And and the longer you talk to these people, the more you're like, Oh, you just need therapy. Like, like you're not going to stop this. This is a whole thing. This is a thing that's happening. You, the four of you are not going to have any effect here. Like just go home, like work on your own issues. Uh, just like find things that bring you joy. It's, and that's the thing As humans, it's always easier to like destroy than, than it is to create. So I think a lot of people, that's why. Cancel, cancel culture is, is so prevalent and has been for the last few years. People just, they see a thing they don't like and they're like, well, I need to stop this. I need to take this down. These people need to never work again. It's wrong. When really it's like, it, that's the most selfish thing you can do because it should enter into your mind like, oh, these porn stars or this comedian or whoever, what, whatever performer this is, it's like other people enjoy them. Uh, they should get to do that, and you should that just because you don't like it doesn't mean that you need to like ruin it for everybody else. So that's why it's like it's ultimately like such a selfish move to try and like cancel another person or a whole industry, which is which is booming, and is certainly even more so in the last six months. You know, with the lockdown, people are home, and yeah, I, every girl that I've talked to, and I'm sure you too, um, has been doing so much. Like OnlyFans is off the charts. Uh, everyone. You know, everyone has been doing well, real, really well, business-wise. Because the the people that are because the, the lockdown was kind of like a do or die moment for relationships. It was like a pressure cooker. Like if things aren't good, uh, you guys probably broke have broken up already at this point, or, yeah. or are getting divorced. Um, if you were in a brand new relationship, like whoop, well, you're bonding real quick, real soon because you you know you might have to be quarantined with this person. Um, so it's kind of like you really figure out who's with you, who's not. And for the people that have broken up and are single again, like they're going to be into the dudes or, or girls that need content or need something to jerk off to. It's like, well, they're going to be in only fans. Uh, they're going to be looking for more and more stuff. And uh, it's just, it explains for why the whole, the whole app has exploded. And like every girl I've interviewed is like, yeah, I'm doing really great. You know? Yeah. So it's cool. That's it been good for everybody.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I always get that whole like um, porn addiction, you know, so we should, destroy the entire industry scenario to me is just so laughable because coming from somebody who has a background in addiction, you know, everybody who has listened to my podcast knows I'm super open about the fact that I fought alcoholism for a really long time. And I was sober for a long period of time. And then I relapsed. And then um, it took me a while to get uh, my time back. I have like, uh, I have two, I have two years now. Wait, oh, fuck, how long do I have? I, f- I just forgot. I think it's a year. Is it a year and a half or is it two years? Wow. I, I forgot. You get a chip every month. Well,
2: every token.
1: well, I don't go to meetings anymore because
2: I don't know. I just, they keep sending you stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have to go and like accept one at a meeting. Um,
2: Is it like at the end when you go, like you're at an arcade and you have all these tickets and you get to like trade them in for a prize? Like, I think that's how it should be with AA. Like, look, I've been clean for two years. Like, I
1: want that big stuffed animal, you know? Well, the funny thing is, is that you don't, people need to take you at your word, right? I mean, the whole program is kind of about honesty. So people can go and totally lie. And I know it happens. There's all kinds of people in the program, and they can be like, "I've been sober for this many years," and they can like that can be absolutely not true, and they still get the cake, and everybody sings to them. And mm. but I mean, whatever. That's you know more of a personal. It, it, that's more personally damaging than it is to like the group itself. If you're lying to yourself, the only person you're hurting yourself. As I say, yeah. But um, but yeah. So, so when I hear that argument about you know I used to be addicted to porn and now I'm not, and so therefore it, it's it's bad and it should be banished for everybody. Well, yeah, I used to be addicted to alcohol. You don't see me protesting outside of the fucking Budweiser brewery and being like ban all alcohol. Like I understand as a rational human being that, you know, addiction is something that affects some people and it affects different people differently and 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 different people have their whatever their pitfall is. For some people it's porn, for some people it's alcohol, for some people it's drugs, some people it's love, some people it's Food. I yeah. mean, it's so many different things. Kid, yeah, multiple cats. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, but that doesn't mean that that specific thing, whatever your addiction latched onto, is evil. Because there's tons of people out there who can enjoy alcohol responsibly. So, like, it's not my. I don't have the right to tell other people that they can't consume it simply because I can't consume it. And that's why I see these these porn protesters it's just like well i can't have it so you can't have it either it's like come on dude grow the fuck yeah like take responsibility your life, well, then, for your only for your own downfalls yeah but don't like push that onto everybody else
2: yeah it's like that you need to work on you and to sound like like not insensitive but like okay that's a, like a you problem because like there's so few of you out here clearly it's like If it were a thing, a lot, like a a ton more people were protesting or coming out for like, maybe people would take more notice, but it's like the industry does so well that it's just, it's, you're, you're not going to stop it. So you might as well work on yourself. That's, that's going to get you better results sooner.
1: Yeah. I mean, trying to push your agenda onto other people is not going to help you heal whatever you're lacking inside. Yeah. So, so I want to go back. Quite a bit. Let's go back to let's go back to Little Chrissy. Um, <laughs> how did you get into comedy? Was it something that you always wanted to do?
2: Um, I was always funny. I would always make my parents laugh, and like you know, we we are so uh, we're like sponges when we're kids, as everybody knows. And like you know, just growing up, like it, everyone was like very fast, witty, kind of crapping and roasting each other without realizing it. Uh, like me, my mom, my sister, make fun of my dad. And then, you know, we uh, just, we take turns like kind of making fun of each other. Um, So we were always funny, but like, I didn't think to pursue it. I actually really wanted to be a news reporter. Um, That's why I got rid of, that's why you don't hear much of a Long Island accent because I was like, I'm going to move out to Alaska, work my way back. I'm going to be the the best reporter ever. I interned at Dateline and then I was like, oh, Stone Phillips is super boring. This is not my people. This is not my crowd. Like I'm not, I'm not about it. And then I interned at late night with Conan when he was in New York still. I reached out to the only female writer that was, you know, working on, on the show at the time, Allison Silverman. And somehow I was like very industrious for my age. I can't believe I was able to, to get an internship, but like somehow got an internship for my senior year in college. So I would commute back and forth from Fairfield and Connecticut to the city. And I, even being from Long Island, I was never going into the city. Like I didn't have a family of we were never like, let's go in for a show or let's go in for dinner. And my family were like, it's expensive. You know what I mean? Like just wear your scissors clothes and shut up. Um, (laughs) I was like so intimidated by the subway and I'm I'm, like working at Conan two days a week and it was so exciting. I just remember being in 30 Rock and I was like, this is a magical place. I'm going to eat a hot dog. Um, And uh, I remember there was a day I like, got Conan his coffee and all of his meals. And I was like, I'm going to make it. And I just hanging out with the comedy writers on the show. And I was like, these feel more like my people and more fun. And, and the, the comedy writers were, were like, you know, if you're really in, if you're interested in this, like get into improv. So I did a little bit of improv in college. And when I graduated, I did like the UCB, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade. I think they went bankrupt uh, now, but that was a big uh, like talent pool for SNL. So I was like in there, took all the classes, you know, did teams and stuff and then uh, moved on to the Magnet Theater, which is another improv school, did all those classes Um, teams and not cheap, by the way, like each, and I don't, it's probably more now, but at the time, like, when did I stop improv 2010? Um, each of these classes was like 400 a piece and they last for six weeks. And, and there's no way I could have been able to afford this if I weren't like working full time and living at home. So I was just commuting back and forth from the city to Long Island, taking improv, working, working all day, improv, and then going home. Uh, not, you know, trying to get a boyfriend. I was like comedy, uh, and then my mom like later said to me she's like you're wasting the best dating years of your life doing improv. <laughs> and she <laughs> wasn't wrong. But um <laughs> and then I did a one woman show and then after that I was like, "Oh, I could do stand up I think cuz stand up always re-
1: was really intimidating to me. Oh my and- god. To me that's the most terrifying thing you can do. Like yeah, I would never scary. have the guts to do that." And so I started
2: stand up in like 2010 or 11, I think 2010. And like, God, now I've been doing it for 10 years. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, I was only really working hard, like putting my foot on the gas, like maybe the last four years. And then I go, OK, well, only really working hard even at my podcast the last four months. So it's like the longer you do a thing, it's you can look back and realize, like, oh, I guess I wasn't working that hard for most of the time. Um, and I just, you know, fell in love. It's it, like pursuing comedy, like, truly feels like having a, a disease because you're like, I can't. This is, it's in me. It's like not, uh, maybe this is a bad metaphor, but it's like you have to perform. And I think I started, I think stand up was attractive to me at first because I just never felt like I could be honest with the people close to me. Like, I couldn't really, you know, like I had a like decent upbringing, but like my parents weren't really like talking to me about my feelings. And I always felt like I had to take care of my parents, like emotionally and my parents would fight. And I feel like I had to be the mediator, peacekeeper. And if my mom was like bummed out after a fight with my dad, I was like, okay, well I could make her laugh and I could make her happy again. So I would almost kind of like, and I only know this cause I've like been in so much therapy and it's like, you learn about your childhood patterns and the way you are, you know, the adjust coping skills it as a kid and how that translates to adulthood. And then you're like, okay, I don't have to spend all my time, like taking av- uh, care of other people emotionally. I can focus on what I want, you know? And, uh, so I think that's why comedy was really attractive to me at first. Cause I could like really express myself. I could like say what I really wanted to say and be like, ha it's a joke, but it was so freeing. And I was like, oh, mm. I can be honest. And it's, it seems so backwards that you feel you can be totally honest with a huge group of strangers that you'll probably never see again, but not with the closest people in your life, like your family, your boyfriend, whatever.
1: Um, but it's cool. But it's you're great. also, fil- yeah, and you're also filtering it through comedy. So, like you said, it's like you're talking about things that are true to yourself, but you can kind of like mask it with the oh, it's comedy, so you don't need to take me seriously. I mean, there's uh, is it true like that kind of widespread belief that most comics are actually like have a lot of like pain that they're internalizing.
2: I think so. Like, I think I know there's a lot of comics in therapy, but there's probably even more that aren't. And it's like, I mean, I think therapy is good for everyone. Everyone should be in therapy. It's like you have, it's, you know, you're just going to have more of your life to you to do with what you want. You got to examine. Everyone's got some kind of unhealthy pattern, you know, you're like, Oh, I shut down when I get defensive and this sort of, these things make me defensive. So if I can learn another way around that, like I save myself a whole day of being pissed, you know? Um, But yeah, a lot of comics are like insecure. We need validation. Um, A lot of us. And it's just that it's like you, you put together, like if it's a Venn diagram, right. Of like, qualities you need to be a professional comedian and then like the business of comedy it's like you end up you're like out late at night you need validation you're around uh limitless alcohol right and so then there ends to be like a lot of alcoholics people in the program that end up being comics and a lot of people that struggle with addiction also that are comedians um you know you need validation you it's like it's like a quick you get addicted to it almost like you would a drug you're like oh i need to feel that a room full of people laughing at me is like the best drug, and I need to like feel that as much as I can. So it's it's and it's also this weird balance between like ego and not ego because it's like obviously there's the very obvious ego part of it, like people are laughing at me, I'm funny as fuck, I'm great, people <laughs> like want my autograph, people are fans, my Twitter following's growing, and shit like that, and then there's the other part of you that's like wow like i'm uniting a room full of people at the same time like they're forgetting about their problems because they're laughing at me they feel better you know what i mean like if i can talk about the fact that my dad threw a chair at me when he was eight you know then maybe people don't feel as bad about the bad shit that happened to them in their life or if i can talk about an abusive boyfriend or whatever if i make fun of myself um it kind of makes people go oh okay like we all go through the same shit Mm -hmm. we can laugh at her and and you know we can kind of ease up on ourselves. So it's this balance between like, it's for the people. And then there's part of it that's like, it's for you too. And it's your expression and it's your art. And, you know, there's also like the homework part of it, like listening to sets, rewording stuff, reworking things. Uh, And then it's like, Oh wow. How do I take my old pre pandemic material and have it make sense now? Because a lot of these shows are just, you know, few, they're few and far between now. Like they're mostly just outdoors or backyard shows or secret kind of like speakeasy shows. Like the clubs are all shut down, but you're like, okay, you can't get on stage now in any capacity and not talk about the pandemic. So it's like, you have to, we have these events like that happened to all of us and it kind of force you to, to get with it. And, and you know, you, you got to speak to the room. You have to like, you can't pretend that this shit isn't going on and you have to like stay relevant and, you know, keep working your stuff. And then you grow as a person. And it's like, you know, I started this when I was like a single, very single, super slutty girl and all that material. And now it's like, okay, well now I've been with the same guy for five years. So what of that material changes? What if it stays the same? What do you have to get rid of? What can you sort of, you know, because you always have to keep it, um, in the now right because audiences Mm -hmm. tell if you're not authentic or if you're trying too hard or if you're insincere if you don't believe in what you're saying so you're in this constant state of like reevaluating your stuff that's why you have to listen back to your sets and be like okay why wasn't the audience laughing did I not really believe in this joke oh is it because this joke is five years old now um and it's okay because it's like a lot of comics like you get married you have kids it's like you change everybody's changing change is the only constant um so it, it also really keeps you on your toes too and like the crowd will tell you right away if they're if they're into you or not so it's like it's it's been just like a really like great journey and there's nothing that i love more than going into the crowd and talking to people and you know you have your standby things that you know will work and um, you know, there's the guy that's just arms folded for the whole show. You're like, I gotta get that guy. You're like, I gotta, you know, break and <laughs> smile. Like, what is it? You know, because it's amazing. Like, so many people will come to comedy shows and they just can't shake w- their day or their month or their year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it sounds like I'm singing the Friends theme song, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that <there> for you. <laughs> so it's it's you know it's fun. Even simple observations can make people laugh um mm-hmm. like the simplest thing like a couple that seem tense and the guy's wearing a salmon shirt and i'm like oh well you know that expl- like you, even just like a nod you know it's simple things depending on where you are like oh he's gay like the dumbest things can make people laugh and um not being afraid to sound kind of not unpc and and knowing when to hold back and knowing when to go for certain topics and like you're constantly in a scanning the room place and
1: uh, yeah, I was maybe- going to ask you, like, about being PC because, you know, obviously, as you were saying, comics are, you know, your job is to kind of take the everyday, take the now, take take this, maybe the sadness of the world, take the tragedies and, and put some kind of spin on it and make it more digestible by interjecting humor into it. But with cancel culture being so rife these days and people getting so easily offended by anything that anybody says, like... Do you find that you're more afraid of the things that you see on stage now than you were like maybe like two, three, four years ago?
2: I feel less afraid now than I did a few years ago because I think canceling is actually really good for any creative person or any performer of any kind. Like the Mm. more a group of people will try to cancel you, like the stronger it makes you because you realize like... (gasps) Like it it sucks when it happens. You're like, oh my God, you get into a panic, you're like, Is it something I said or a thing or an episode or whatever? It's like we the whole comedy community watched Shane Gillis. He was, you know, in the period of like forty-eight hours, he went from like this semi I mean, very known among comics, but to the general public, very unknown stand-up comic, to, you know, now he got hired for SNL, up, oh, and then but now somebody you know, almost as if they were waiting for him to blow up, kind of submitted. Oh, well, here's a podcast where he says the word chink. And then now he's fired from SNL famously. Right. And that's a, that's a big example of being canceled. But now like Shane is doing really well and people, people know him even more so. And you could say he's getting more gigs because of it. Um, That's just like an extreme example, but it happens to comics a lot. Like even, even ones that are pretty PC. Um, But I find like each time that happens to me, like it just makes me stronger. Like this was a couple of years ago. Like I went to Utica. I was like buzzed with my boyfriend. I did like a little video like called Chrissy's shitty tour of Utica. And I'm just like making fun of like really not not even scripted. I'm like, oh, look at this bartender. She's probably uh, also a stripper. Like not even funny or witty things. And I just was like it's, it was just making fun of Utica. I, they were like buildings that were like falling down. There was a building that wasn't quite built up and it had like standing water. And I'm like, look at this outdoor pool. Like really, I never, this was like many years ago before, uh, like I never expected it to be anything. It was like a throwaway little sketch. And then like the local Utica radio station picked it up a couple months later and, and blew it up. And then all of a sudden I see like people in all my DMS and messages like People from Utica, and I think I was saying like, I'm oh, in Utica, I'm a 10. In New York City, I'm like a 2. And then, oh, this insane backlash because of this local radio station found it. People from Utica, it was a good six weeks of people like, you suck. You're a 1, even in Utica. Like, we don't all do meth, you know. But then people privately in my DMs would be like, no, meth really is a big problem up here. And you're right. <laughs> and,
1: and I don't even know map. where that is
2: it's upstate new york it's basically okay. new york's detroit which i okay. said in the video and uh not wrong and i was like at first when you see like sometimes tens hundreds sometimes it's thousands i don't know if it's been in thousands yet for me but um when you have people blowing up all of your messages and commenting on all your social media you panic and you're like oh my god what do i do and you you eventually realize like okay just like it's going to pass like people are will be on to the next thing that pisses them off like the next week you
1: know yeah luckily there's so many things in the world for people to be angry about yeah. and people's attention spans are generally pretty short sure they'll they'll eventually move on to something else
2: and i was like all right cool and then it becomes almost like like a badge you know a badge of honor and then over the quarantine like um remember there was like a celebrity video each line each line of the song imagine was like i was like they're so out of touch this is so stupid so, so bad i got together with my comedian friends and we each sang a line of kung fu fighting and i was like because at the time like kung flu was a trending hashtag and i was like all right, right. you can say you can say kung flu if you want but we're just singing each of us a line of the song kung fu fighting and i'm gonna cut it together like gals and it'll be like a parody. Um, so I put that out there. I had the whole like woke Asian community after me for like, again, another like month, two months or whatever people. Again, blowing you up. Uh, everyone's tagging Oprah, Ellen, Chrissy Teigen. Cancel this girl. She's terrible. People thought I wrote Kung Fu Fighting. People thought I wrote that song. I wrote the lyrics. Um, just you realize how many people are just so dumb. I was like, that's a song. From the seventies. Like I didn't invent I didn't even invent the hashtag Kung Flu. Like it's it's all a joke. It's tongue in cheek. Um, people really came after me and it took like a good month, but it was eventually removed from my Instagram for hate speech, which blows my mind because like it's not a hate speech, it's a spoof, it's a parody, and it's like it's really sad when people can't tell the difference. Uh they're just their anger is so misplaced and mm-hmm. uh I think people get off on it because they like to feel people like to feel more morally superior. Like they, they'd rather feel right than address their shit, right. than address their right. issues and their triggers. And, uh, you know, not like I've ever been, I've tried, I've never tried to be like intentionally pushing somebody's button. It's like, I do what I think is funny. And what I think other people will think is funny. And, you know, it's coming from a good place, but it's definitely, it's caught me off guard. Like the things that people that I've had like backlash over were things I didn't expect. Um, but you you learn a lot from it and it makes you a stronger person. And as a comedian, the most important thing is to just never apologize for any joke, any sketch video. Like, I just think it's it's the wrong move to make because it ends up never being enough for these people. Like they want to see you jobless, homeless, never never working again. So, and once you like, give an inch as far as an apology goes, like, it's just, it never ends. So that's, I think the most important thing to remember any creator of any kind, you know, if you get shit for your art, like don't apologize for it. Like, you know, if you created it from a good place or, you know, it's, it's hard because you can feel that pressure and I understand why people do apologize, but it's, uh, it's not good. It never ends well. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely something that you see just so frequently now, you know. And I mean, there are some things that I see that I definitely agree that people should. I don't know if I agree in cancel culture entirely. It depends on what it is, you know. I mean, obviously, if it's something really like extreme, like right, rape or murder or something like that. That's oh God! I
2: mean, but- and there's such a difference between um, being held accountable for what you say. That's one thing that of course should always happen. People, mm-hmm. people have a reaction to something. They should a- absolutely be able to say what pisses them off. Like that's mm-hmm. what, that's what freedom of speech is, you know? Um, but I don't think, you know, that, a, that a thing that lots of people enjoy should be deleted or canceled because a smaller amount of people didn't like it. You know?
1: And then also something that like they pulled from 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember like, that whole thing with James Gunn, um, the director, who's actually somebody that I had worked with before back way before he became famous. Um, I, I shot some, he used to do these like uh, porn parody skits and and it was, um, what was it called? But it was basically like a scenario that started off as a porn scene, but like didn't end up being a porn scene. Um, so it was just like these little spoof sketches and, uh, I worked on some of those with him and he was just awesome. And he was um, really good friends with one of my really good friends. And we used to go to his house all the time and just like a super nice guy and incredibly talented, you know, and, and, and has been so successful in his, in his movies that he's done. And it's been so cool to see him go so far. And then when some people pulled some shit, some jokes that he made like 10 years ago on Twitter and, and then he got dropped from, I forget what movie he was working on. It was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's not. And now he's back and he's like doing so well and he's working on like the next big, like suicide squad movie, I think. So I'm really happy to see that come back around. Um, But yeah, I just can't imagine how agonizing that must've been. You've worked so hard to get to where you are. And somebody digs up something that you said a long time ago when you were young and stupid and, you know, just trying to get a reaction out of people and, and, the world decides to cancel you for it. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming on Chrissy. This was thank awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And, um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and maybe again, more specifically where they can find your podcasts?
2: Oh yes. Uh, all social media is at Chrissy Mayer, C H R I S S I E M A Y R, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube also, and the YouTube is where you can find, uh, the Chrissy Mayer podcast. It's also on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, yeah, just type C-H-R-I-S-S-E. It'll come up. And then the Wet Spot is on Compound Media, Mondays, 7.30 p.m. EST. And my podcast, uh, I release the audio version, you know, 5 a.m. Eastern. And then I'll usually have like a live YouTube, uh, premiere, at 9 p.m eastern i know i'm like throwing out so many different times but that podcast is tuesday through fi- friday and then saturdays i'll have like the fun never have i ever like group zoom storytelling show and that is always a mix of well i mean everything i do is always a good mix of like porn stars comedians you know funny tv personalities you know so everything
1: you know we usually try to keep it fun and light and yeah that's a good mix of people porn stars and comedians and um, I always felt like the two really meshed well together.
2: Yeah. Because a lot of us think of us, a lot of people think of comics and porn stars as like degenerates, outcasts. Um, you're not in the weave with normal society, you know, you're not appropriate. And it's like, we also have to be, uh, we all you know, if, to be successful, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be like a one man band. You have to be a self starter. You have to follow mm-hmm. through. And it's like, not every, not everybody can hack it. Not everybody can, can do that on their own. It's so much easier to work a a nine to five and, you know, clock in, clock out, (laughs) check your social media for like four hours a day, but to like have your own business and your own brand is that takes constant work.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I always, I have, I've never really, I mean, I had a nine to five, like in college. Um, but I've always wondered what that life was like to like actually be off work at five and not, on a Friday and not think about it again until Monday at 9 a.m. You know? And like, yeah. And these jobs I've-
2: are not even like that anymore. Like if you are like a pu- uh, like a public or, um or no, like a personal assistant, like it never ends at five. Cause it's like, they're constantly messaging you. They're constantly calling you. It's like, depending on like what boss you have, it's like, you never really fully clock out. And a lot of them, you know, you could be <laughs> salaried, but they're like calling you on the weekend. And it's like, it, <laughs> it It kind of is all that it becomes all the time,
1: yeah, I know my poor i have my assistant Eva has to deal with that um I feel oh. bad, but I try not to contact her on the weekends if I don't have to, but sometimes I just need to like tell her something yeah well you're a you would you're a delightful boss oh. <laughs> <laughs> um and you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered. Go to hollyrandallunfiltered.com to sign up for my newsletter. We only send you a newsletter once a month, so I promise we will not spam you. So you will not regret it. And Chrissy, again, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. We will see you guys next time.
1: Just want to remind you guys that we are still on an every other week calendar while I'm on maternity leave. So two weeks from today, um, November 18th, I have on one of the most highly requested guests that I've ever had. People have been asking me to bring this lady onto the show for a long time. And I finally, finally was able to nail her down. I am talking, of course, about the incredible Kendra Lust. So make sure that you guys come back in two weeks for Kendra Lust. Very highly requested. Very exciting to have her on. It was a great interview on Holly Randall Unfiltered.